want to get on the action, we want to hear from you. Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com. Slide in our DMs on IG at faderoutepodcast. Drop us a DM on Twitter at faderoutednz. Comment on our YouTube channel, The Fade Route with DNZ. Questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it, we want to hear from you. Get at us in crowd. It's the in route where friends of the show get a special segment with us. Want to be part of the action? Want to be the newest member of the in crowd? You know what to do. Hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or slide in those DMs on Fade Route Podcast on IG or hit that Twitter, Fade Route DNZ. Joining us on the in route today, we have former special teams coach and author of Figure It Out, Coach Mike Westoff. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Oh, thank you, thank you. Sorry I'm late, but I'm I'm happy to be here and uh, uh, appreciate your asking me. All right, Coach. We'll start you off with this. Uh, you've worked and coached against many legends over your storied career. Who brought out the best and worst in you? <laughs> That's an interesting question. I think the best is really pretty easy to answer, and that and and, and that's Don Shula, because Don had a a level. He set a bar for himself and everyone, a very high, and you had to to really strive to to meet that to meet his goals. And so I would say, in in most ways, he brought out the absolute best in me. I think he brought out the best in everyone. That just was, and he demanded it of himself. Um, as far as the worst, that that's an interesting question, and um, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that there was anybody that I worked with that drug me down to a po- a place where I thought sometimes they were. Um, and I, I worked for for a few people that uh, that I didn't have tremendous. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of disdain, maybe you'd say, or whatever. Um, but I didn't let that affect me. I had a particular goal in mind. And I was going to strive to achieve it, and I didn't care who was on the other side of it. Um, so that part really, I don't believe, ever affected me. Um, but as far as raising you up, nobody like Don Shula. He was the that's, best. He was that's a great, awesome. great, great, uh, great experience for me to work with him. Now, if you were building the perfect coach, whose individual tributes would you take? Another good question. It's very different also. I've done a lot of interviews and I, I've never been asked uh, something like this. this is a good one. I'll tell you one that I'm going to, uh, you might be a little surprised right off the bat. And I don't mean just because I'm going to mention him first doesn't mean that he is first necessarily. But if you want to, uh, coaches have to be teachers. First of all, you have you better have a real solid, uh, and, and solid's maybe not even the best word to use, you you better really understand your subject. If you're going to be a good coach, you better know what the hell you're talking about. That's first, and, and to know it. And and the guy that I watched in my 32-year career, that I watched on the field, that I thought was maybe the best teacher of what he was trying to present, um, was Sean Payton. Wow. Sean Payton was good. I mean, I would stand there, 
and watch him teach that offense. And believe me, I mean, uh, Pete Carmichael was the coordinator, but God bless Pete, he's a good man. But when it came to on the field, yeah, Pete should have been standing over there with me. Because, I mean, because Sean Payton, I mean, and Pete's a heck of a coach. Don't get me wrong. He's good. But Sean Payton is, re- he teaches everybody everything. And I would watch him walk through and go through a pass route and talk about a receiver. And he, he would explain to him, now, when the ball's on this hash, he said, if you'll come exactly to here, that back has to roll to you. And now you pull him out. And he said, Drew, there's the window. And I'd be watching the game. And I'm going to tell you what, it was exactly like that. I mean, exactly. I mean, it was, I mean, you know, Drew Brees is a heck of a quarterback. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. He was with the best teacher that I ever saw, that I ever saw on the field. Sean Payton could teach. So if you, you, you're going to, um, I always believed that one of the things that I did very well is, is I, I presented things and taught things well on the in the classroom and on the field. I think that that was a real strength of mine. And I demanded a particular amount. But if you're going to, then if you want to go a step further, as far as building that great coach, then you get a guy like Don Shula that knew all parts of the game, but yet did it with such great integrity. I mean, there was no cheating on Don Shula's part. You know, you never heard of, of, you know, some type of filming someone else's coaches or, you know, some of the (laughs) things that have gone on. Not with that guy. He was first class in everything he did. And he also... You know, for all the the dignity that he had, we had a very tough football team. We were, you know, he he believed in that. You know, he wanted to be a tough team, and and so I loved that. So I think, and then his whole knowledge of the game, you know, his managing the clock, timeouts, challenges, being able to walk into a room and and take it over, whether it was special teams or defensive backs or whomever. Don Shula could do that, and he studied it. And if he didn't really know it then he made sure he did. That's what, that was the key to him. And so I think that desire to be, to have that tremendous knowledge of your subject, uh, if you're going to get the great coach, I think that's part of it. Then as far as on the other side, sometimes presenting it, you know, presenting things, believe it or not, and this may sound a little silly to you, and I hope people wouldn't take this the wrong way. To be a good coach in the National Football League, you have to be a little tiny bit, and I'm being kind there, of an entertainer. Because of the fact that you've got that, um, you know, you, you, you've got a tough classroom sitting in front of you all day, every day, and you can bore them to death. So sometimes you've got to be a little creative. You know, you've got to have a little bit of zip. Sometimes you have to make them laugh a little bit. And I don't mean by being a comedian. I mean, just by being a real person. And, and then being able to sometimes bring up a touchy subject or a deep subject or not let you be to acquiesce because sometimes these guys, if you're not careful, they, they can run the room. I never, I think that's something I was very good at. I think I was a good teacher in that regard because I, I could do a lot of different things in my presentation and I had fun with it and I was extremely demanding. But I think if you'll ask, uh, and I, I, there's some of them were quoted in my book, that they thought I was the, the my, 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 my classrooms were the best they were ever in. And I, and I firmly believe in that. So there's some ingredients, but a guy on the field, guy gets it across on the field. No one ever better than Don Shula, but right there, as far as getting his message, Sean Payton, you want to be a good coach, figure out how he does it. Again, we're on the in route with legendary head coach.
coach Mike Westoff. You can find him on Facebook under Mike Westoff and on Instagram under ST Coach Mike. Uh, you're responsible for the evolution of special teams game, and we've seen the NFL phase it out because of fate of player safety. Mm-hmm. If you were named the NFL special teams czar, what changes would you make to bring back the excitement of special teams while ensuring player safety? Good question. Another good, another good one. You're, you're going to get hired on ESPN if you're not careful. We're trying. Yeah, you should, you should be. I'm telling you. Um, okay, I'll give you one right off the bat. That, and actually, I've talked to a representative from the NFL office about this. Uh, right now, uh, field goals are being made at a um, almost unusually high rate. Uh, the PATs had gotten ridiculous. They were, you know, they were at about, I think it was 99.6%. And then we moved it back to the 15 yard line. Actually, I was involved with that in that with Joel Busser. Uh, so you can blame me for that one. I had a lot to do with that change. <laughs> um, okay. First of all, what you have when you look at a field goal today, and if you're, if you're root for a team that doesn't have a field goal kicker that's kicking in the 90 percentile somewhere, well, then you better go get another guy because you're in trouble. Because if you take a look, first of all, you've got a friendly ball. The ball's legal. It's not illegal. It's checked by the officials. It's 13 pounds per square inch. But the ball's buffed up. Equipment guys go in and they buff it up. They shine it up like they're shining your shoes. And so it's a very friendly ball. It's friendly. It's not illegal, but it's friendly. Okay. Question for you. When's the last time you saw a bad snap? Oh, hardly ever. Yeah. Thank you. You're right. Hardly ever. Because the fact that... The rules have changed so much. You can't line anybody up on the snapper. You can't drive into them. You know, some of it was done ridiculously so back in the day. And, you know, there were some of us that really fought against that. And um, I remember talking to a coach at a particular team. I, I know you maybe you won't believe this, but they had a thing where they would take a defensive lineman and line him up on the other team's long snapper and just pound him. Yeah. And they weren't trying to block the kick. They were just trying to beat the hell out of the guy. I, I asked the coach before the game, what he thought he was doing with that. I said, that's not football. And I said, first of all, I'll give you two things are going to happen. If you do it to us, my guard is going to hit your guy and he'll be getting operated on tomorrow. I said, and I'm going to find you after the game and beat the shit out of you. (laughs) I don't know if I, I I don't know if I could have back then I was, but back then I probably probably could have today. I I probably couldn't, but back then I think I could have. Anyway, that's just not football. All right. So some of the rules were necessary. But now, long snappers look like high school phys ed teachers. No disrespect. That's what they are. So the snap's perfect. Everybody's learned how to hold. All right? So you catch, they keep their back knee up. They catch the ball. They bring their inside elbow into the inside part of that knee. That puts the ball down perfectly on the spot. So you've got a perfect hold almost every time. Get off times from snap to kick have reduced from about 1.3 seconds to about 1.26, maybe 2.7. So it's hard to get there. All right. You're not allowed to push. You can't line up on the center and you can't have anybody pushing inside. You can't use leverage. In other words, I can't push down on an offensive lineman and jump over him because that's leverage. So that's illegal. If I were going to make one change to make it a little bit different, I would not let the, 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 the guards or, and tackles uh, and tight ends interlock their legs. I would let the guard interlock with the center. But everybody else would have to line up shoe to shoe. They couldn't interlock their legs. They would have to step to a position of interlock. So they'd have to anchor their outside foot and step with their inside foot. 
Now, that's not a big, big deal, but it'll make it a little tiny bit tougher on the protection, and you'll see an increased number of field goal blocks. So, and when that happens, kickers get a little nervous, and the percentage will drop slightly. So I want to make that just a little tiny bit tougher. That's one small thing. All right. I'm going to give you them all because now I'm going to be the czar. You gave me the role. Love it. Go go for it. Go for it, Coach. You know, they play with two balls now, basically three balls, because the kickers all use the same ball that's brought in by the referee. They check it out. They I think they have six balls. They blow them up. He, you know, he, he, he initials them, first of all. They blow them up, and then they give the, then the kickers have, or the equipment guys have a little bit of time to work on them. They usually work on three pretty well, and then they, the others are just a little bit. But anyway, so you've got a friendly ball there. Then the offense uh, of each team brings in, I, I think, I'm not, I want to say 10 balls. It might be eight. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Uh, but they bring them in, and the the official checks them for pounds per square inch and lets them use them. So those balls that the offense uses, I mean, your, your girlfriend can have it for a week. Nobody cares. That is what it is. You know. Now they got in. You know, Tom Brady got in the trouble where he was accused of letting a little air out of the ball. You know, and and I and I frankly believe that that they did that because the equipment guy could take that ball with the needle and just you know. Psh- Absolutely. You'd have it right where you want it. So to me, it's no big deal. I think if if it were the case, I kind of believe it was, but I'm not really sure. If it were, I think in the off season, if guys like that had gone to the league and say, you know, we'd like to have a range of air in this ball going from, say, 13, maybe down to 11.5 or something, you know, just a little tiny bit. I think the NFL would have said yes. I think they would have agreed. But, you know, so that's another thing. Okay. I would use three balls. I would have a ball just to kick off. The officials would take it right out of the box, blow it up to 13, and nobody would touch it. Nobody would touch it. Only the official, every time there's a kickoff, he brings this Mike Westoff ball out there and say, okay, kick this one, because it will not compress as well. So instead of landing at the minus five, it'll come down at the plus three. And you'll put the return without having to change one rule that they've put in for safety. All the rules, and that's why I'm out of the, the game. For, what am I going to teach anymore? Because all the stuff that I did is illegal today. Yeah. Well, the kickoff return, you know, it used to be we had, you know, you could double team, you could trap, you could wedge, yep. lead, you could see, seal. There's a million things. That's all illegal today. You have to line up straight five by five. You can't do all that coverage stuff I used to love to do. So, you know, the, the innovation part of that is pretty much been, been been diminished. It's not diminished. It's pretty much gone. Anyway, that ball would put the play back in the game. What I want to see happen is I want that special teams coach to be sitting in his office at night with a notebook or tablet like I used to do and be drawing up a million plays till he found the one he wanted. Right now, they don't have to do that. I think they can go home for dinner for crying out loud for what I saw. <laughs> and from what I mean, just you don't have enough plays. Right. You know, I used to do an 80-page game plan, 80 pages. Now, it was a game plan, scouting report, depth chart, et cetera, et cetera. But it was 80 pages. I think you could do it on the back of a matchbook now. That's just how I feel. I'm disappointed. So I, I, I would change the ball. I'm going to put the play back in the game. I don't believe that's going to happen because I think they're so concerned with the injuries. I, I believe if you, if the play would become more like a punt return, it would take away the 
vicious collisions that we used to have and you but you'd still have a play i don't like the i don't like it now because it's basically become a non-play a non-play absolutely there's there's the second thing i know this you go back and think about this guys you know when i when i was with the new york jets um my first 10 years we're in the playoffs 60 percent of the time i don't think we go in the playoffs one time of those years if we weren't a viable contributor in the kicking game we made enough difference that it helped us win enough games it gave us an edge to get in the playoffs i'm I'll, i'll fight that with anybody i firmly believe that it helped us yeah there were lots of other reasons yeah we had curtis martin come on he was good we were a good team but that helped us now they've taken that away go back i'll give you a game see if you guys remember this one we beat indianapolis peyton manning's last game and then we go on to the next round of the playoffs. Remember that? We beat them. Okay. Yep. We're up yes. at Indy, and they score and go ahead. They go ahead by a couple points, and they had to kick off. And I knew, I knew he was going to try. He hooked the ball, and I knew he'd kick it over to our right side. He was going to try to get a touchback, but I knew he couldn't do it. It would come down about five deep. And uh, Brad Smith had gotten hurt, and I put in Antonio Cromartie. We ran a Miami right. We doubled their five. We ran a four-man, two-two wedge type thing, and we ran up to midfield. We completed a pass, kicked the field goal, and went to the next game in the playoffs. If you're playing under today's rules, that ball would have been kicked out of the end zone. We would have never had a chance to run up to the field. We wouldn't have had time to get down and score, and the New York Jets would have lost the game. No, it's a, it, it really is a lost art, and the way you know the way that you know you've taught it and the way that you describe it and figure it out it's it's very clear that the nfl is trying to marginalize the special teams play but you know we know that you have your west off guys you know you're you have a list of <laughs> the, in your book like you have you have your guys yes now looking at the current landscape of special teams coaches and players are there is there anybody out there that you would consider a Westoff guy? Oh sure, sure there are, sure. I, I don't know all the guys like I, I used to, you know, even when I worked the media, I don't study it. But yes, there are there's still quite a few that are out there. And um I, I would know very quickly. I usually can tell them when I watch them play and when I talk to my friends that are still coaching, you know, I'll talk to them about guys and they'll fill me in on somebody to keep an eye on and things like that. So yes, there are. One that that I kind of missed during my career, I would I had him in a, a Pro Bowl actually. I would have loved to have coached him um, was Steve Tasker. I mean, because yeah. he he just could dominate the game. He was my kind of guy. He could do everything and nobody cared how big he was. He just wrecked the game. He wrecked the game. So yeah, there's there's still plenty of those kind of guys out there. There are not as many as there were. I've talked to a number, actually a couple of guys um, got head coaching jobs and called me. I thought one of them was really pretty smart, actually. Not just the fact that he called me, but he had some great questions. <laughs> and he said, he said to me, he said, you know, Mike, if you were in the business today, how would you configure your roster I said, I said, I'm going to tell you what. I said, that's you're 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 pretty smart. I said, you, you're liable to win some games. You're not careful here. I said, um, I said, you you can't have a whole team of peanuts like I used to have. I always had five, six, seven guys. You know, I think they weren't they weren't big guys, but they were they were good special teams players. You can't do that today. You can only have a couple. 
though I said I would really fight for. I said the defensive line coach would love me because if he wants to dress six, I'm going to give him eight. If he wants to dress seven, I'm giving him nine because I want to take an extra couple defensive linemen. They'll be pass rush type guys, and I can find perfect roles for them in the way the special teams game is being played today. I'll take an extra tight end. That guy's going to love me. So, you know, but I'll give up maybe a defensive back or a linebacker. I'll give up a spot or two. You know, I'll fight like hell for a particular wide receiver. I may want to take an extra one, but he might be a, a guy that, you know, plays more for me. I said, so I, I would reconfigure the roster. I mean, I can, it's going to be different. It can't be the same. And I hear some of the special teams coaches, you know, that I know they're talking about, oh, I can't keep this guy and can't keep that guy. And I'm thinking, I wish the hell I were playing you. I, I could beat you with my eyes closed. <laughs> I said, you, you can't think that way. You just can't. You know, you have to stay with the game. I'll give you one more. You you cut my czar thing off. Now I still got one more for you. Okay. Yeah. Hey, one more. All right. I'm going to make one more. One more. Uh, on the punt, a team punting the football, their widest guy, most people call them gunners. We always called them flyers because Coach Shula called them flyers and he was smarter than anybody else. So they're flyers. Anyway, <laughs> I would not let them line up any closer to the sideline than one yard below the number. I would not let them go out and line up on the sideline like you see so many do today. They release straight down the field and then they get hit. And then that careens them out of bounds. And then they use the sideline to protect them. So they run a particular way out of bounds. Now they have to angle like they're coming back in. That's the rule. But they get protected for a pretty good ways. And you can't go out after them. Back when I first started, if you initiated contact inbounds, you could sustain it out of bounds. Right. So like you read in the book, you know, right. Kerry Glenn and Lewis Oliver, who were the best double vice guys that ever did it in the history of the NFL, um, would would actually grab the guy and run him out and throw him right over top of the Gatorade table. That's it. <laughs> throw him right over the table. <laughs> they were, now we were we were really physical. We were tough. Now we played hard, and they, they just they beat the hell out of them. But the rule it was legal. They that was, they they changed that because of us. But uh, <laughs> we did it. We had a, we had a, we had a time one time when I was uh, I was at Miami actually. And we were playing the Colts in Indianapolis. The Colts were punting the ball from the twenty yard line, and we had a particular technique where one guy would step. And the other guy would attack, and that we were trying to draw the attention of the gunner. You want to call him? Well, we did it, and they they smacked them and grabbed them, and they ran them backwards, straight back into the end zone, out of the end zone, and believe it or not, they threw him into the kicking net, and he got stuck in the net, and he couldn't get out. <laughs> and so we had a film. I showed a film for years. If you want to play for me, this is how this is how we play. We threw the guy in the net, and he was stuck in the net. It was the greatest. I loved it. We kept showing. I said, "There, you want to play? This is how I want to play, because we're gonna we're pretty tough." And so, I, I would make that change. Now, what it'll do, it'll help the return because it's going to help the double out there on you know on the punt in 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 the, in the NFL. Only the the guy on the end of the end of the formation can release when the ball snapped, and everybody else has to wait till the ball's punted. Unlike college. Which has taken that play totally out of the game. So they they have no kicking game in college football. Anyway, um, that would it would help that. Also, if you were lined up there with two guys out there and you had the ball on that on that hash, and you wanted to punt that direction, that one of those guys can become a rush factor. So that's going to make it. You're going to have to account for that guy now. Hundred percent. So you're mm -hmm. going to you're you're just what you're doing is you're helping put the punt return play 
back in the game. You know, you're making it a more viable part of the game because it's been it's it's kind of been taken out of the game. So, you know, my if you ask me, like I'm the czar, I'm glad you asked that because that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad you, that gave me a chance to, to expound because I, I really believe in these things. And, and all I'm trying to do is, as you said, I want to keep the game safe. I, I'm not interested in going back to where it was when I started. I, I'm not. Um, but yet at the same time, I want to keep it alive. I don't want non-plays. I want to keep it alive and make it a viable part. I want to have a chance to make a play that helps win the game, not make a play. You know, I, I talked to the special teams coaches at the combine and I talked to them and I, they brought me in to talk with them. And I, I let them know, I said, you know, you guys are sitting in the seats that, you know, I'm, I can get pretty cocky and they, most of them, I don't have that many friends. I said, you know, I helped create those seats. So you're, you're lucky you're sitting in a damn seat. But I helped make it. Uh, and I said, and some guys like me that were darn good coaches, we made those seats. I said, but pretty soon an owner is going to walk in to the general manager and a head coach. And he's going to say, why am I paying this guy a million dollars a year when he's coaching eight plays? I said, and you better have an answer because right now that's where you're headed. Now, needless to say, they, you know, they don't, they think I'm a little crazy, but, but the difference is I'm right and they're not. So, you know, they got to fight to keep the thing alive. And that's what you brought up a really good point. And frankly, I'm glad you did. So thanks for giving me the chance. <laughs> of course, coach, you know, you have a certain amount of expertise and we definitely, the NFL would be foolish not to listen to a man who revolutionized the position of special teams like you did and the coaching of special teams. But in your book, Figured Out, available at Target, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, Audible, Kindle, pretty much Amazon. wherever you can buy Amazon. Amazon, you can buy. Amazon gets it probably the quickest or through the publisher, which is uh, Mascot Publishing. You can go to Mascot Publishing and they'll deliver it right to your house. There you go. You have a wide net to get this book and it's fantastic. And in this book, you speak very highly of Saints quarterback turned tight end Taysom Hill as an all-around football player, not just as a special teams player or as a quarterback. How do you think he's going to do as a tight end? And what do you think, what do you feel his ceiling is as a, as an NFL player? <laughs> I just sent him a text yesterday. I said, tell them to quit calling you a tight end. <laughs> I said, you're, you're an H-back. You're an H-back. You're the best hybrid player in football. There's no one that can do the things he can do. You know, I had a couple guys like that that were, you know, Ed, Jim Jensen was the first guy that ever did it. Remember back with the Dolphins, Jim Jensen, he was great doing it. And of course, we had we had Brad Smith that could do all those things. Now, but Taysom Hill takes it to a new level because he's not only so strong, he's so fast. Now, he's a 4-4 guy. He can really run. He can run and he can throw. He can throw. So, you know, to me, and he's tough as nails. He's tough. I mean, I love them as a as as a, a multiple uh, source guy. I remember one time I was watching practice, and um, before practice, in the receipt, our linebacker coach had his linebackers in there before practice, and he was working against a couple guys, some scout team guys, running pass routes, and he had Taysom Hill running pass routes against his guys. Well, nobody could cover Taysom Hill. Nobody. He killed it. He was killing those linebackers. 
So Sean Payton came in over and came over to me, said, Mike, what are you doing in here? Earl? I said, I'm, I want to watch this draw. I want to see how this looks. And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, you see Taysom Hill. I said, watch him a couple times. I said, I know this is Taysom's first year. This was his first year, 2017. I said, if you're not careful, he's going to make this division forget McCafferty. I said that. Now, Sean looked at me like I was nuts. He started to laugh. He said, well, when you like somebody, you really like them. And I said, well, you wait and see. Because this is really a football player. I said, he can do it all. You know, he, I mean, as far as, the, you know, he can, he can snap. He can hold. He can kick. He can punt. He can catch punts. He can return kickoffs. He can do everything. The guy's just a good football player. I think he'll do really well as, you know, you call him the tight end. Of course, I'm just teasing. But as kind of the H-back type guy that moves all over and does those different roles, um, hopefully he can stay healthy because he's had a little bit of a pension of getting injured. He had a rib injury early in camp. But uh, he's a great guy. He's tough. Um, I love him. He's just one of my favorite guys. And I had a ball with him. And and uh, I, I'm so proud that I had uh, such a role in getting him started and giving him a chance because and until I came along and kind of discovered him, he had never dressed. He had never put a uniform on. And uh, he did. He, he did after that. Wow, was he good. So I think he'll do great. I think he'll do just great. It, that is, you know, you, you have the eye for talent, Coach. There is uh, there is no doubt that, uh, that you have the eye for talent. And uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. People may not know, you know, they just see you on TV, they see you coaching, but you have a master's degree in education with a concentration in psychology. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give to up and coming t- coaches and teachers? The, what would you give them in order to be successful in their roles? That's, that's, that's another good one. Uh, first of all, young guys, what they should do is should go out and buy my book. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's not Absolutely. just from me. You're, you're not learning it from me. You're learning what I learned from Don Shula, you know, uh, the, the, all the coaches I worked with, you know, the players I, I was with, Dan Marino, you know, I mean, the things that Dan did, you know, Woody Hayes, Bear Bryant, Bob Knight, you know, Bill Walsh, Mike Ditka, <laughs> Al Davis, and this is who I learned from. So you, you want to learn a little bit about the game. You're not just listening to Mike Westoff tell the story. You're, you're, you're just learning what, what, what I learned from the best, some of the best people that ever did it, that ever did it. So I, I would do that. But also, I think what you have to do is, is be varied in your education. And then one thing I, I learned, and I, I remember talking to Woody Hayes, actually, I, I was, he just impressed me with how, how well read he was and how he could talk on different subjects. I'm thinking, you know, this guy's pretty smart. I mean, he, no wonder he's, a, you know, I know he loses his temper and he starts wanting to kill you, but but he's a, <laughs> he's a bright person. So, you know, to me, I always wanted to be able to, 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 be able to express myself in a thousand different ways. You know, I, I wanted, I, I was proud that I have a master's degree and most of it's just psychology. It's, I'm not a clinical, you know, I'm not going to tell you, you know, what's wrong with you. But I, I think I can tell, you, tell people how to learn, you know, what makes them learn and, and what not to do. And, and I, I constantly used stories and quotes and exa- all types of things. I love doing that. And I think that's part of being a coach is being able to present it and then being smart enough to look around and to see what, what makes your team work. I went to a high school practice the other day here, down here, 
um, good team. Good matter of fact, I'm going to go watch them play Friday night. And I'm watching the practice, and I, I wanted to just run out and start and scream. Would you get this thing moving? Let these guys go home. Yeah. You know, they, it was just like it, it was agony. And let's go. You know, everything and it's, it's a thousand degrees. It was a million because you know down here it's always hot. And yeah. uh, I'm thinking these poor kids. You know, this practice is going to go one hour at least more than it should go. Mm. That's just I just so you know those types of things. Or find a role for somebody. Don't be afraid to try something. So we had a high school coach that did a great job with that. We had a young man that was a big, heavy guy. I mean, you know, he's probably five ten, and he weighed three hundred pounds or whatever. God bless him. And, and coach went down and got his pads and a helmet from the Pittsburgh Steelers, so he could give this kid a chance. Ah, uh, you know, you know, and he gave him a chance to play. He was no all-star. But he could play, you know. I think if you're going to be a good coach, particularly if you start on a lower level, football's a game that everybody can play if you're tough enough. You know, it's not. God bless it. Now, no disrespect, but it's not soccer. You know, you get knocked down, they take you off in one of those harnesses, please, and I want to throw up. <laughs> it just and, and I and I and I love the athleticism, and I love it. I, I think I I went to watch a, a real professional soccer thing this year. I think I could really help the game. All you got to do is shrink the field and shrink the time. You'd have a great game. I mean, I get that big field. You know, you can't even. You got to have a horse to run over there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, come on, shrink the field. I, I'd shrink it by a. I'd shrink it by a fourth, and I'd cut. And I'd, I'd cut a fourth off the time. Now you're going to have a really good game that that, that I would like, because right now best game is football. Yep. Because it's so it's so athletic and so academic, but everybody can play. A little skinny kid, he can find a place. Guys, a little 100%. bit heavy. Okay, so what? I got a place for you. If you're a high school coach and you don't think that way, now you should go do something else. I don't know. Go, go teach somewhere. Do something else. Because uh, that's what it's about. Though I think sometimes my degree helped me see things in different fashions. You know, I believed that um, I, I used to follow the teachings of a of, of, of a uh, psychologist, a guy named Haim Jinnow. He was an Israeli. And he dealt mostly with children, and he believed that if you treat children in a manner in which you see them becoming, the chances of them becoming that are so much greater than if you're just constantly critical. He said, you know, they, yeah, they come in and they do bad in school. And, oh, you're a dummy. Well, they're probably they might end up being a dummy. You know, I used to look out at that classroom, and believe me, now I had all types of guys. And they weren't all, you know, academic. What the prowess was limited sometimes. But I just said, I'm going to find a way. Okay, he's a little slow. I'll figure it out. I'll find a way to teach him. You know, I'll I'll figure something. I'd bring him in extra. I'd put him with Ben Kawika. You know, make him sit there and we'd study and get it down and you know teach him ways to do things. Then I started drawing everything. So instead of running two kickoff returns like everybody else did, I'd be able to run 12. Because I could, you know, I'd be able to sit there and, you know,、uh, talking to you, Damon, I'd be able to say, all right, now remember, now on this one, now, da da da, you you wouldn't make a mistake, you got it perfect. And next thing you know, Leon Washington's run for a touchdown. So I think that that's important. That I want to get a diversified education, and I want to find all these different ways to help these guys learn, and then coach them the right way, and be safe and be smart. Don't be stupid. Don't be doing some stupid drill. 
you know, running guys like the stuff I used to have to do when I was playing. And no wonder I've had about a thousand concussions, but I'm still here. I, I'm still pretty smart, at least relatively. Um, so that's what I think. I, I really believe that. So I think my education in that regard really helped me and it helped me figure things out. Um, I, di I didn't placate. I'm not, the, I wasn't the easiest guy to play for. I could be tough, but I was very fair. And I, uh, and I have the deepest, deepest respect for players because football is a tough game and you get beat up. Now, for me, I think my medical background helped me a little bit as a coach because I learned how to live with being pretty uncomfortable. And I still do. And I live a pretty good life. But I learned how to do it by being uncomfortable. And that's what playing football is about. Because trust me, you're uncomfortable when you play that game. You're, you just get beat up. That's the reality. A hundred percent. And the reality is figure it out. Coach Mike Westhoff. It's a fantastic book. Go to target, go get it on Amazon, audible through mascot books, wherever you get your books, get this book and read it because you are, you are going to learn something, whether you are going to get it from an educational standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, it is fantastic. Coach Mike Westoff, thank you so much for coming on. It is much appreciated. And hopefully, you know, we can have you on again soon. And everybody make sure you go on Coach's socials. So that's at ST Coach Mike on Twitter. Mike Westoff 8052 on Instagram or Mike Westoff on Facebook. Follow them all. It's a he's a great follow. And the book was amazing. Coach, thank you for joining us. And if you want to be a member of the in route, hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com. I'm, I'm going to check it out. I'll have a scale that helps me with the social media. I'm, I'm not real good at it. I work at it, but I'm a little slow. Hey, I'm sorry I was late, guys. Thank no, you, you for, for putting up with me. And uh, I'll, I'll be happy to do it again. Maybe when the season gets going, we'll see some things we want to talk about a little bit. And, uh, and thank you for talking about the book. I'm very, very proud of it. There's a lot of medical things in there. I'm, I'm very, you know, fortunate of being in uh, New York and having the, you know, exposure to a great place like Sloan Kettering. And uh, what was done for me is absolutely astounding. And I'm very, very fortunate and very proud. So thanks, guys, and thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.